Usha is an ambitious woman who never wanted to have kids. That is, until she met her husband. When trying to conceive just wouldn't work, their lives changed. Navigating loneliness, family expectations, reduced intimacy, and feelings of being incomplete are some of the challenges Bruja has faced. Now, she and her husband have a beautiful little daughter, but the scars remain. I'm Alice Dabler-Stewart, and this is Infertility and Us. Hi, Bruja. It's such an honor to have you join me on the podcast And I want to thank you first and foremost for your bravery. We've already had a little chat and we've centered. You have your hot chocolate and I have my tea. How are you feeling? Nervous. Yeah, pretty nervous. Because this is going to be the first time talking about the experience after three or four years. And I actually try to not think about it, which is not so easy. And we'll, I think, get into this topic as well. It's not so easy to to close this episode, so I'm actually doing good. So now opening it up again, I don't know how I'm going to feel. So let's see. (laughs) I'm honoring that. Let's hold space for whatever comes up. Let's get right into it, shall we? Can you walk us through your own personal journey with infertility until today? So when we say infertility, we think about the body, right? So a human anatomy, how does it work? What does not work? (laughs) And so on and so forth. But I think there is a huge part that is psychological about it because there is some expectations from society, from our families, even from friends sometimes, uh, unconsciously maybe, right? But there are expectations there. And then these expectations create some sort of pressure, right? And I think every infertility story starts from there and my own personal story it starts from being in a big family so both my parents have nine siblings each and they all have children like all of them have children and their children have children so it's kind of like normal so giving birth is normal having children is normal even if somebody had problems nobody knows because nobody talks about it and like among my friends there was this time I want I'm almost 40 now when, when was it like 15 years ago something like that. 15 years ago no it's not that well, maybe 10 years ago <laughs> maybe 10 years ago but they they all have two children and they are big now right they are going to school so they are they're pretty big already and I was the only one who did not have children. So I, like at one point I got married and then of course expectations started, but I wasn't married for too long. Actually having children with this man was scary. That was like one of the points that actually made it clear to me. It's not a point where I want to stay, but there's really this big point about having a mother who basically on purpose or not, so mothers don't do these kind of things on purpose, right? This is what they learn, and that's what they hand over to the next generation. This idea that as a woman, you can only have a fulfilled life if you have a husband and children, right? And work isn't important. You can work. You don't have to work. Still, she and my so my parents raised us as, as very, very independent individuals, and I never wanted to have children. 
I never wanted to have children. I mean, I looked at, I don't know, my cousins and I just thought, oh, children are annoying. <laughs> and I thought that when I was a teenager, I thought that when I was studying, I would I, like, I always thought like this, children are annoying and they're just keeping you back from from living your life and so on. So that was my general thought until I married this guy. And because then it was like, okay, now I'm married, now I have to get children. But I didn't want to, not with this guy. So, right. So, and then we divorced. And then at one point, I don't want to say I met my husband, like my today's husband, because we know each other since our studies at the university. So we know each other for quite some time, but we, let's say, found each other at one point. And in the beginning, I told him, look, I don't want to have children. And he's the exact opposite, right? If, if you ask him, he wants to have, he just recently said, if you ask me, I want to have eight children. It's like, why eight? Right? Like not five, not ten, but why eight? I don't know. Eight seems like a good number. <laughs> And he's always been like this, right? And he can really do very well with children. He loves children. He's he's such an amazing father, really, he is. And he was like, okay, we don't have to talk about it now. So let's just start our journey. And if this is the story, then this is the story. He never made pressure, like, I want to have children. He just said, you should know, I would like to have children. But it's your body. And if you say you don't want to give birth, that's fine for me. I mean, it's not, but I will accept it, right? And this opened up a very big space for me to actually think about the idea to have children because it was not about somebody's making pressure on me because there is the expectation that I should have children. And I was always like this, right? Even as a kid, like when somebody told me to do something, I just did the opposite. <laughs> and I'm still like that. <laughs> and my husband knows how to deal with it, <laughs> how to make me do the things that he wants me to do, basically not by telling me to do it. <laughs> this gave me some space to think and to feel into this idea, right? How does it feel, the idea of having children with this guy? And at one point, so let me think, I think it was January 2019, and there we were already together for like four years. But the year before that, so it must have been 2018, we started talking about it. Like, what if? And I expressed my, my fears, like, I don't want children to actually change our life too much because I love the way we live and I don't want to live our life in a way how it's been expected from us. I want us to find our own path. Like with everything that we do, we find our own way and I want it to be the same, right? Let's find our own way. He was totally up for it and totally understanding and so on. We went to Iceland and had a really nice, lovely vacation. And yeah, so the cup that I hold in my hand right now is the, is the cup that we bought in Iceland. And I have a cup collection. I buy cups from anywhere in the world where I travel to. We drank a lot of hot chocolate. <laughs> And in one moment, we said, like, you know what? Maybe it's time now. Let's have children. Why not? And that's why I'm keeping the cup in my hand at the moment, because it reminds me of that. And yeah, that was the, the story about how we decided to have children. 
And then it was actually a very stressful year at work for me. <laughs> that was, I think that, that is maybe an important point to make. So we, we started, we tried, and I was already above 35, right? So 35 plus, and that means red, if it doesn't work after half a year, you should go and, um, have, well, you know, have a checkup, right? On both ends, both on mine and his end. And we started with myself. I had to go to the doctor anyways, like for my yearly control. And then I told her what's happening. And then she, well, checked. However, they do it, right? And then she said, well, actually, everything looks normal except of one thing, which is your hormones or you don't produce enough progesterone. And then she said this can have different reasons, depending on the reasons, this is either an easy thing or not. Because if it's an easy thing, then you can just take progesterone and everything's fine, right? But if it's not an easy thing, then it actually influences your X qualities. And if your X are not good enough, then it's becoming more difficult. And guess what? It was a second. That was already like a bummer because I don't know why, but this conversation about children has been following our lives with our mother. And she was always like, everybody in our family has children. So no worries, right? It's going to work. When it's time, it's going to work. Just don't worry about it. It's going to work. In the beginning, I was like, yeah, you're right. It's going to work. But it didn't. So I took those injections to basically ovulate in a planned way for quite some time. And it didn't work. And at one point, my husband got checked. And the message was like, ah, <laughs> Could be better, not too bad, but could be better. But this already gave me a feeling of, oof, it's not just because of me. It was kind of a relief because the pressure was not only on me. Then sometime later, I think half a year later, he got another check. And there the message was, it's fine. I mean, it's enough. It should work. And then the pressure was on again, right? Because then it was again about me. and. We really tried and tried and we really, it, it, it turned into some sort of a machinery, right? So you would not come together because of joy. You would come together because now it's time, right? It's so and so many days before ovulation. So we should do it now and not later. And actually, oh, I can feel it. Now, it, now I'm ovulating. Now we should do it. And it's like. You, you lose everything in that moment, right? You lose the relationship to your husband, the romantic relationship to your husband. You lose the normal relationship to your body. I still feel it, right? So I still notice the changes in my body and I still know when I'm ovulating and when not. You cannot turn this off again. You lose your relationship hardly to your family and friends. I didn't even open up to my friends. I didn't talk about this with my friends because you fear like, well, it's a happy story. Who wants to live with this? Who wants to listen to this? And my relationship with my family, I wanted to speak about it once and my sisters didn't notice, but 
they hurt me so much. They didn't know, but they hurt me so much that I spent months not, not talking to them. And still, I'm not as close to them as I was before because somehow I learned through this that I cannot open up about very deep, deeply hurting situations to them. And to be very honest, right now, I feel very lonely. I mean, I have friends, of course. I still have my good relationship to my family, of course. But I feel lonely in a way that the effect of this time, one of the effects is that I learned that when you face a very, very difficult situation that drains you, that pulls you down, nobody is there for you. That was my situation. I mean, I'm sure there are women who are in a better situation, right? So who were able to open up and who got a lot of support and who went through this in a better way. I don't want to say smooth way because there's no smooth way to go through this. But end of my story is that I feel pretty lonely. And relationships have changed quite a lot. Others, but also to myself. That's where I'm at the moment. We're even talking about a second child, if we should have it or not, but, you know, it's a bit of a negative topic with a lot of what-ifs. Yeah, it brings it all up again, doesn't it? Yes. And I also had, like, a very difficult pregnancy, to be very honest. And then, so, when you tried for so long, and we tried for a year and a half, and we were at the point where we actually went to the specialist, and we would have an insemination and it worked actually in the first try before the insemination you have this one try where they actually want to check if my body attacks his sperms too too much right so they let you have like a normal cycle with all those hormones and the injections that you take and the on-time ovulation thing you still do that and it worked in that one check <laughs> So then I got pregnant and we didn't have to do the insemination, but it took us a year and a half, a lot of crisis and, and moments where I was really not just crying, but shouting and screaming because I was just so yeah, devastated. <laughs> so basically when you try to conceive for so long and then you finally get pregnant, you can't believe it, right? I peed on seven tests. Just to make sure I'm really pregnant because I couldn't believe it. I peed on seven tests. I have to say, I really felt it before the test. That's, that's actually cursed. So everybody tells you, you will feel it when you're pregnant. But suddenly you feel every month that you're pregnant, right? So, but it's wrong. And, and so it's another level of pressure because then you're disappointed that you're not pregnant. Anyways, that, that moment or that month, I really felt it before I peed on the seventh test and then I peed on the seventh test and I knew it for sure. But then I vomited like 14 weeks, wasn't able to stand up. I was really lying, right? So, and I, and I couldn't walk like nothing. My husband had to take care of me, of, of his job, of household, everything. And then like pregnancy was quite difficult and after birth I had to take like physiotherapy to come back and so on and so forth so and there's this schizophrenic view then on the one hand you appreciate 
her. I appreciate her being with us after we have tried for so long, right? And I'm just so happy to have her. At the same time, there are some negative emotions. I cannot even say, like, I cannot describe what it is or find a word that describes it well. But there are these negative emotions that tell you, hey, my whole life has changed, not just because I have a child, but actually my whole body is gone, right? So I don't have the muscles that I had before. I'm exhausted quite fastly and, and I'm like, I cannot do many things anymore that I could do before the pregnancy because of all the complications and so on and so forth. And then the whole time before comes additionally, so basically me not being able to switch off it anymore, noticing everything that happens in my body, not being able to really enjoy the romantic moments with my husband because it still feels sometimes like a mechanic, like a robot, right? So it's kind of like, oh, well, frankly speaking, I know why I'm horny because my hormones tell me that, I'm, that I should be horny now, right? So that kind of like that. And everything together, sometimes it feels negative and it feels like I want to have my life back from before we even wanted to have a child. I'm really sad to say this because I feel very bad when I, when I speak this out loud, but this is the feeling that comes from time to time. And of course, when I look at her and, and so on, everything is gone, but the feelings are there. I wanted to say you're touching on something there, Rushva, that's so important, I feel, in this wider context and wider conversation, but also from the outside, someone looking in, okay, you struggled for one and a half years, but you were able to get pregnant and you had a child. Everything's good now, right? Oh, now you can look forward to having the next one. And it's not like that, is it? It's more complex than this. There are emotions, there are changes in our relationships and our bodies. Uh, infertility is not something that we, I see it as a chapter, for example, in my life. But when I'm 80 years old, looking back, it's still a part of my life. It's not something I will forget completely. And so I think that's something that's important sometimes to talk about is even if you do fall pregnant and that was the goal, it's important also to understand that this impacts our lives in so many ways and we carry it with us even after we've reached the so-called goal of falling pregnant and having a wonderful child. And then there's the complexity of, yeah, the questions of, do we go through this again? Do we want to put ourselves, do I want to put myself through this process again? What does that look like for me? And one of the key struggles that you talk about is one is pressure, but also this hypervigilance of your own body. I just wanted to thank you for bringing that topic up because this is very complex. It's not black and white. Just like pulling pregnant is not black and white. It's not, boom, you have sex once and you're there. For some people, it is the case, but for many, it's not. And I think most people don't know that there is this afterlife, right? I think even those who do know underestimate the impact. That's how I feel. And you stay lonely, right? Because you cannot share this with others, like what you're still going through. You cannot share this with others because... Either they cannot understand because they haven't gone through this or still it's a heavy burden and you don't want to, you don't want to get on your friend's nerves in the end. 
and maybe you need a therapist and that's something that I'm thinking about, right? So actually I am in therapy for, for other reasons. This opened up the idea to me to actually maybe even find a very specific person just to deal with this, right? Because it, it's still there and doesn't let you go. So tell me, during the months that you were trying to fall pregnant, coming to now, you said that this has been a lonely experience and it continues to be lonely. What does support look like for you from yourself, from your partner, from other people? What helps you, would you say? I think one thing that helps me is just knowing that if I opened up to my husband, he would be there for me. I share some some feelings from time to time with him, but like not the entire range of feelings all in once, but like some pieces here, some pieces there. And I know if I did, he would be very well able to handle this. And just knowing this already is support for me. And, and, and I know that I can always count on him. That's one thing. The other thing is, I think there are some people in my life that if I was brave enough to let them in a bit more, they could handle it. And I think I could share these feelings with them because they are kind of like the same and we would share our feelings with each other. And, and I think this would help both of us, but it's me who is not brave enough to open up. Because I fear rejection, right? I fear that mm. if I try to open up again, like with my family, then actually it will, it will do the opposite, right? Mm. Other support is, I mean, at Women's Hub where we met, meeting so many other women who said, oh, I have a similar story. Well, was like, wow, I didn't know. I felt so lonely. It looks like, no, there are so many others. Why don't we talk about this? Why don't we share? I mean, there are so many nuances to that, right? So maybe it's not about infertility, but maybe you are able to conceive, but you are not able to keep it. Maybe you've had so many miscarriages. So why don't we talk about this? Yeah. Because the result is the same. You're trying to have a baby and you can. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that you bring up how we met. We met at a wonderful event called Women's Hub Day. And it was actually the first time that I was publicly sharing my story of dealing with infertility. And you were there and you were one of Traverse who stood up and said, I traveled to be here. And, and I think we just both burst into tears and gave each other a hug because in that moment, I think you and I, we saw each other very deeply. And then we also had that beautiful experience of Maybe there were 50 women in the room, at least 10 or 12 other women standing up and saying, hey, me too. Yeah. And I know for me that that was an incredibly important, healing, humbling moment. It's so emotional. Oh my goodness. That was such an emotional experience to see all these other women. They didn't have to stand up. They could have kept it silent, but they chose also to stand up and be like, yeah, me too. I've had miscarriages. I'm also struggling. Or... We had IVF and now we have a child, but the scars are still there. And Busha, you, you know what we're talking about right now. This is the entire point of this conversation is 
it's so difficult to put into words this experience, but by sharing our personal stories, by sharing them in the ways that we feel safe to do so, we open the door to others to imagine doing the same, even if it's just reaching out to one other person, one other friend, or to a therapist or to a coach. So I really, again, I'm so grateful for this conversation that's happening right now because you're opening the door, Bushra, to others to think about doing the same. I think they're going to find healing in your experience. Well, I think you're doing it. As you say, I joined that day because of your talk, because you would open up and I wanted to listen and to connect with others who had similar experiences. So and therefore, I'm very thankful that you actually did the first move. And I also want to mention there are so many different ways of infertility, right? There is, how is it called again? PCOS, mm -hmm. right? With the polycystic ovarian. <laughs> Disclaimer, we are not doctors on this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> We're not doctors. But I know women, you know, having treatment because of that, because they cannot become pregnant. Yeah, we could list off a lot of acronyms and they're all things that I knew nothing about over two years ago. There's so much here. There's unexplained infertility. That's my truth. We have no reason or no particular thing that points in any direction for either me or my husband. Why this is not happening for us. And therein lies its own challenges because it's not like you can point at something and be like, okay, that's it. And yeah. this is our next step. So that's one. There's also secondary infertility. This is also not really spoken about. You've had your first child. You're struggling to conceive the second. And there's all those emotions of, hey, it worked the first time. Why is it not working now? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? That's also very difficult. I even know a woman who's going through that. Yeah, me too. And that's actually, it's more common than you would think. Also, the sounds weird, but the chosen infertility in the sense that I know, for example, one woman who has endometriosis and she had to go through a surgery to clean up everything. And then basically she was told it's going to come back. So you have to decide now, either you make, you make babies now or you have to stop ovulating forever. And she had to choose and she made a baby. And then she started with the treatment and she's not ovulating. She's not getting her period because otherwise she said she had like very heavy endometriosis, right? Because otherwise it would build up again. So if she decides to have another one, she would have to stop medication. And then she would have to see what happens, right? So it might turn out that she cannot even have the second one because of the after effects of the medication. So she doesn't know. There are so many different stories. I had a very heavy year at work. I would even say I had a burnout. So when you read about signs of burnout, et cetera, et cetera, really came to the point that I was like not being able to work anymore. And I think we know what stress can do to the body, right? And I think there is a huge part of our work playing a role into the infertility story. That's like the one thing. Oh, actually, maybe, maybe I should even share this story. So the day I got the diagnosis, I went to the doctor in the morning and after that I went to the office like 
but I wasn't present, right? So I wasn't present at work. So my body was there, but my mind wasn't. And the CTO noticed that. So we were in a small office and I was sitting at the lunch table with the CTO and he asked me, hey, Pishra, everything okay? I was like, yeah, good. Just thinking about, you know, work stuff, blah. And then he was like, are you sure is really everything okay? And I looked at him and started crying in the middle of the office. Everybody was there and I just couldn't stop anymore. He just came over and hugged me and said, hey, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> you can tell me. It's okay. You can tell me what's going on. And then I told him in a way that nobody else would, would mm -hmm. hear it. That I just got the message that it would not be so easy for me to get pregnant. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then he was like, go home, go home. And then I was like, okay, let me just go to my manager, the CPO. And I calmed down. I went to the CPO and I told him, hey, I need to go home. Not doing well. Looked at him. And then I basically collapsed, crying, just lay down on the floor. And I just couldn't stand up anymore. And then I told the CPO as well. And they calmed me down and then I went home, right? They were even like, should we bring you home? Are you okay enough? Mm. And work is another dimension of this. So what it influences, I mean, we typically as women try to hide that we're trying to conceive because we know it, it can have consequences for a career, right? Oh, she's trying to conceive. She Well, she's going to be a mom and then she's going to be away. So maybe we should not give her the promotion. Or we should not give her the, the bigger project or whatever, right? And now my manager knew that I was conceiving. Mm. I, I had the conversation with him and said, like, look, please, I want to ask you to not consider it for any kind of decisions because, yes, we will continue trying, but it may never happen. So please don't make it part of your decision. I don't want to have or feel consequences because of a theoretical case that could happen because we're trying now. He said, don't worry, even if I knew that it's going to be easy for you, I would not make it part of any decision. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, he said that we never know, right? So maybe unconsciously he would still do it. But like mm -hmm. saying that even was like, okay, that was yeah. like, Took a load off. Yeah. And the other psychological dimension of this is I think, and I hear this from many other women as well, actually unconsciously not being ready for it. Mainly women who are like me who never wanted to have children or they wanted to have children but had a difficult childhood themselves so that the body would actually say, no, you should not have children. Not now. Right. And then once they had gone through therapy and, and actually solved the childhood issues, then boom, suddenly becoming pregnant of this kind of stories. I hear that as well. I think even sometimes that might have been my issue because I was still thinking I should not have children. So not only I don't want to have children, but also I should not have children because I'm not sure how to, like, I don't know how to raise a child in a good way because mm. to be very honest, I was raised in a way that I didn't like to not go too deep into it. But I always thought like, I could never grow a child to become a good person because I don't know how good education looks like because my education was not so good. So. 
I somehow believe this was part of the reasons why it wasn't so easy. Although, yeah, of course, it was also the anatomy part of it, but also the psychological part, I think. It's important to realize where those pressures are coming from, from yourself, from your own upbringing, your way of thinking, thoughts about yourself that, you know, may or may not be supporting your wish to fall pregnant. There's a lot here, but I mean, this is your story. And so it's, it has its truths, right? And it's important that you also have time to consider those things. One thing that I am grateful for this time for is it's given me and my husband ample time to really have conversations around the reasons we want to have children, not just because it's expected or because our bodies are telling us it's time, but why do we, Ella and Matthias, want to come together and start a family in the way of having children? What does that look like for us? What would the upbringing of this child look like? What values do we want to impart on their journey? And I would say these conversations with my husband and having that time, like you say, to think for myself have allowed me, I would say, a gift. So if we can have children, it's a gift for that child because it has parents that have really thought about this and really want this. And it's a gift to us as a couple because we're not going into this completely blind or we've talked about a lot of things that maybe we wouldn't have had we fallen pregnant straight away. And so for that, I am grateful. Like you are going into this and a very aware, you're very aware of what you want and why you want. Much more aware, much more considered, I would say, than when I started this journey two years ago. Much more. And I mean, that is good for me, for our relationship. And if we have a child, it's great for the child, I think, as well. It's good for their upbringing. But even if, you know, I don't know how it's been for you or how it was for you before you were able to have your daughter. Did you ever have conversations with yourself or with your husband? Hey, if this does not work out and we remain child-free, then what does a full and meaningful life look like for me and for us as a couple? Have you had that conversation or those thoughts? Not really, to be honest. I, for us, we were not yet at the point where we thought, okay, what if it never works? We had a conversation around hey could we actually think about adoption so maybe and we were even saying there are probably so many turkish children in switzerland or germany waiting to be adopted by a turkish couple maybe why not right so we were talking a bit about that but in general one thing that he said at the very beginning was hey i can be happy only with you that was something that, that I carried with me. Therefore, I didn't have the need to talk about it, I think. But like right now, I think maybe it would have been a good conversation to have. And coming back to you, how would you say your relationship with yourself and even your body has changed? My relationship to my body changed in a way that I, so I was always somebody who, who could feel everything that was happening in the body, not necessarily knowing what it is or, or what it comes from. Now I feel like I cannot switch it off anymore. So I really feel everything. And now I know a lot about what is happening in which region, which part of my body and why, and how is it interconnected with everything else? It's really difficult to switch it off and not think about it. 
So it's annoying. <laughs> I really don't want this anymore, but I just can't stop it anymore, right? So I'm trying to learn how to live with it now. That's the physical aspect, the physical part. And my relationship to myself has changed in a way that, so I also had postnatal, postnatal, whatever, depression and went through therapy as well. And I can really recommend women who feel like there's something wrong between me and my child asking for help. Really, it, it changes a lot. Even if you don't call it depression, even if you just think there's something wrong, it should be different. It should not be the way it is. Then look for help. Seek help. It really helps. It really changes your whole life. Like now I can live the full love that I have for her. And this is, this is wonderful. This showed me as well as coming to the relationship to myself is that I'm more aware of my own flaws, more aware of how I want to raise her, how I do not want to raise her, what I'm trying to actually teach her in life and show her in life and, and whatnot. And this also has to do with the journey to get there, knowing that, that it should not be the center point of her life mm. to have children no matter what. If she wants it, then she wants it. If she doesn't, then she doesn't. Either way is fine. Because I believe this way of thinking that I got from my parents, from my mother, actually did put a lot of pressure on me. Wow. Although it was pretty nice to say, like, it's going to work. No worries. <laughs> In our family, everybody has children. And the funny point is, so both of my sister needed help as well, by the way. So it wasn't easy for them either. And then we had a conversation with Pacer and said, like, you always kept saying, you're going to have children. No worries. It's going to work. In our family, everybody has children. So, but we needed help. And she was like, I didn't say that they didn't need any help either. Maybe they did. I don't know. I just said they have children. I didn't say that it's easy to, to become pregnant. I just say it's, it's not impossible. That's what I told you. And we were like, uh-huh. Yeah, that's a nice message, right? So maybe it's not impossible, but it's not easy either. And I think yeah. that's the biggest misconception to get children to have to what anyways to become pregnant <laughs> to make babies make yes. babies <laughs> well making process is easy <laughs> that's <laughs> something else right <laughs> exactly that's something else we'll that's have that conversation another time i think but oh wow <laughs> no you're, you're so right like we grew up and watch these movies and hear stories and see our families and everyone they get married and they have kids and Oh my goodness, you have to take protection for 10 years because if you have sex once, you're going to fall pregnant. Not necessarily the case. So these are also maybe misconceptions that we can clear up a little. I wanted to say, Bushra, you've been so generous in talking about this journey, also how it's impacted your body, yourself, your relationships, even touching on that moment in your career where you also received support. Just to bring this to a close, is there anything else that you would like to share to make this conversation feel complete to you? I think the biggest message I would like to share is if you're going through this, find those women who've been through this as well or who are even going through this and share your story. You are not alone. There are so many women who are going through this and sharing is caring.
find those women, at least you can start with Ella, I think. <laughs> and me, and we can see where a lot of women, I think, were going through this. We're here and we're here to listen. We're here to support each other. And thank you for opening the door, Bujra, today being the first person to enter this space on infertility in us. You are very brave. You are very wonderful and very wise. And I'm very grateful for this conversation. Thank you so much. And I'm very grateful that you're actually doing this, that you are starting to talk about it because we have to talk about it more. <laughs>